Hi, and welcome to the Coffin Lounge. I am your host, Vampire Kitten, and it is Pride Month. Uh, officially today, let's welcome James to the show. Uh, James is with Kansas City Freaks and Geeks. Let's talk a little bit about you. Hey, thanks for having me, Vampire Kitten, right there. It's great to be on the Coffee Lounge, uh, the Coffin Lounge, not the Coffee Lounge. Might need to get a little bit more coffee right there. Uh, but the Coffin Lounge, and it's great to great to be here today. Uh, and it is the start of Pride Month right there. So Celebrate. happy to happy to uh, uh, be on June 1st. I don't know when we'll get this aired, but happy to happy to be here today. Um, yeah, a little bit about me. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm back in Kansas City. I went and did my 20 years in the military, traveling kind of all over God's green earth uh, around uh, different different parts of Can uh, America and some overseas assignments, doing some really fun stuff. Uh, came back and retired in Kansas City, and then uh, started working for uh, back for the Department of Defense as a contractor. Um, and in that process of it, really got to explore more passions that I hadn't been able to explore in my move. And one of those is really uh, uh, being from this area, uh, really trying to uh, uh, really bring out the weirdness of Kansas City and let people have the ability to be weird in Kansas City um, without any type of uh, fear of not finding a group to fit into or any of the internal fighting that can sometimes happen. So really just wanted to make a, a good space for as many people as possible. Um, and in that sense, you know, we partnered, uh, I partnered with some friends to make a, a community. We started out on Facebook, we've got an Instagram, um, and we've done some events and we support a lot of events in town, uh, you know, and that's uh, our community called Kansas City Freaks and Geeks, which if you're a local uh, uh, artist, if you're a local uh, creator, um, if you're doing any of events on that, we will happily try to promote your events. Um, and we sometimes promote people's events that we just think are people that are doing great, cool stuff in town. So that's the community we've built and, uh, and are still building today. Um, we've just got over, you know, about 1,200 followers right now. And uh, we're doing some really fun things coming up here in the, the next couple months. That is really exciting. Um, so you're a Kansas City native. Kansas City native, yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if you had just like left and then come back and fell in love with the city or. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was born right on state line, uh, right over in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, my dad, uh, my mom traveled all around uh, for his job. Um, and I graduated high school in, in the local area, went to Kansas University and down in Lawrence for a bit before joining the military. Um, and my last assignment was up in St. Joseph, Missouri. So I, I always considered Kansas City home. I've always been really proud of uh, the little weirdness of this city. The city is incredibly weird. And, uh, you know, we are a lot more than just the Chiefs. I, you know, I don't have a problem with football. But <laughs> the, 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 the history of this city fascinates me. The, the culture of this city fascinates me um and and as we try to you know be a city or a metropolitan area across two states two states that are constantly changing um their their kind of perspectives of states and what they mean uh, uh we've created this little city that while we both the states may hate each other as you see from like you know, the animosity charts of states, uh, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, metropolitan area, the whole of it really is a, a pretty fascinating little place that we've created. So I'm originally from SoCal. So moving to Kansas City has been a very interesting experience. I actually love it here. I have fallen completely in love with the city and the people here are amazing. Midwesterners are just so great. I mean, very specifically here, though of all other places that I've been in the Midwest. And I, I'm i just happy to be here myself. And I think it's really cool what you're doing because a lot of big cities, Los Angeles, New York, whatever, they have their, you know, goth, freaks and geeks, gamer groups, whatever. And I think that the amount of effort that 
you and your group and other groups have done to get people to come together and actually like do some really cool things is awesome. And, and, you know, that was kind of all spurred by a couple things like keep Austin weird, right? was a thing that I grew up or not grew up, but I was, uh, you know, grew up in Lawrence or, you know, had a lot of my, my defining moments in Lawrence where it was really trying to be weird. And I saw Lawrence become a lot less weird. And then that whole keep Austin weird and Austin is not as weird as it was back uh, in the, the time. Um, but it still has maintains pockets of weirdness. Um, and and parts of Kansas City have tried to not be weird at all. Um, right. You know, I know some court cases going on right now in the Overland Park area where anybody who's kind of different, they're kind of coming out. And then you've got like, you know, May, May, Mayor Lucas, who's really trying to really fight for uh, uh, making Kansas City, Missouri, uh, a, a more safer space for as we're talking Pride Month for mm -hmm. uh, particularly Missouri trans individuals. So we've got to kind of fight in that. And then you just had coronavirus, you know, and and everybody got pushed into their homes and everybody got really lonely. And uh, Kansas City lost so many great venues during that time. Um, uh, and, and some of them became a lot less weird. So we, we, we I think that everyone in all communities really needs to stand up and really try to express their weirdness and really try to create places for weird people to gather with uh the the least amount of infighting possible and just kind of be unified as being we're we're, we're a little bit non-normative and that's okay exactly i think that's fantastic you guys are doing amazing stuff um so I, I think it's interesting because I, I was here at the tail end of coronavirus and I got to experience a, com a couple of unique venues that shut down shortly after when I got here. So I feel lucky that I got to experience a couple of things. Um, oh, gosh, I don't even remember the venue's name. There were a couple. And then shortly I went to one show there and then they were like done after mm -hmm. that and shut down. And I it was it's kind of unfortunate because it feels like there's not a lot of spaces like that anymore but people like you and people like the little local small businesses have a really try to turn it around with like little uh events that are themed or uh pop-up like vendor spaces for like really unique stuff oddities and things like that and i think that's so important because kansas city seems to be losing a lot of that yeah you know noir shut there was a, a business noir that shut down i heard about um that. yeah and that was a great little space there was another shop monkey wrench that was a great little store and the the proprietor passed away oh. um and those and i and i have the you know one of the things that was display cabinets there from monkey wrench because it was such a major part of kansas city history um, and, and there are great places still. The the Darkwood Gallery is a place on Independence that I highly recommend everyone go and check out. Um, Black Rose Company. And then they have other little different things like uh, Kansas City Goth Copy and the Swathen Shops right there. There are things out there. And there's also people out there working. Like it's one of the things we've tried to do within Kansas City Freaks and Geeks is really try to highlight a freak of the week. Um, we, we can't keep up on a weekly basis because of... You know, it's a, it is time commitment, as you know, Vampire Kitten, to make podcasts and to do the interviews right, and to do right. that. Um, but no, there's there's so many people pushing, um, uh, uh, trying to make things a little bit better every day. And I, I you know, we've just lost, uh, uh, and, and this is, I think, always important to understand in that community, that we've lost two people that really worked hard for this community. Uh, uh, Ron Stanley recently passed away. He was really big into uh, uh, both the goth scene and additionally to that, the, 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 the fetish scene. Um, and he was one of the best people I knew in those scenes. And then another one, um, uh, Richard Burns passed away and he was one of the uh, best promoters of, of, of LARPing, uh, live action role playing, particularly vampire live action role playing uh in the city for years and um you know uh uh i think it's always important that we have to keep refreshing that wheel we have to keep bringing in people and promoting people um so you know we've promoted a lot of things you know uh 
we promoted our, our Route 66 Mr. Leather winner, Mark Athens. We've promoted um, uh, 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 Katerina and the work that she's done with Temple Scarlet. We promoted individualized creators of creating art. Um, and we've really tried to, to let all creators um, have a place to promote themselves. Right. Um, and you know. I, I, a side note there, I actually was lucky enough to get to know Ron a little bit before he had passed, and he actually tied me for the first time. Uh, Shabari, I had never done it before, and I went to like a dark side event, and he was there, and he's like, you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, let me try it. And that was when we became friends, and it's just like such a... Ron was such a blow to the community and it just happened so suddenly and um, you know I hope that his family's okay but he meant a lot to a lot of people you know yeah. and um, uh. segueing a little bit from that I think it's interesting for people to understand that Kansas City does have kind of a unique group of artists like when I first moved here I do aerial like mm -hmm. acrobatics and Kansas City actually has a ginormous aerial community like as big like probably not as big as Vegas but it's a lot of schools and a lot of people who are interested in it and I think that is something that's sort of not seen everybody thinks it's just this flyover city mm -hmm. but when you really get down to the root of it it's really just a big city just a little bit more spread out like Vegas or Los Angeles or whatever you know the the there's some really crazy things. Um, you know, if I were to think about the city, you know, nestled on all these rivers coming together, um, you know, it, it does create little different pockets. And some of those pockets are, are probably more appealing to different cultures than others. But at the same time, like our, our the weird traditions that we've had um, from the selection of this city that really made it big against another little town to the north called St. Joseph. That's just a fascinating little part of history. The, the, uh, when, you know, it's the only city in the world, uh, uh, that, well, I shouldn't say the only city in the world, but it is a, a city in the world that is recognized by a very large religion as being this gateway to heaven and as this, you know, Mecca. Um, and, and that history of it, is um fascinating the, the 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 history of the kansas city mafia is is fascinating while also being very dark and you know if i think about like so many horror books or vampire books particularly like people love to write about new orleans people love to write about st louis and don't get me wrong i, I like i love both of those cities but the the city the the history of this city is dark which really also brings up one of the things we're working on. I do have to do a plug here. Can I, Vampire Kitten? Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> you talked about our pop-ups, right? And they're not our pop-ups. They're my friend's pop-ups. And I manage one of them. And that one is particularly usually horror-theme focused. So we did Rocky Horror. Um, that's a combination of Edward Schmaltz and Nick Pageant. They worked together on Gaslight. Uh, uh, and they did Rocky Horror. We did Krampus. You'll see my big Krampus statue. Right oh, there love, behind me, I love standing there. This events. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're doing Evil Dead, and the the place we're doing it at Ninth and State is is just like this fascinating part of Ninth and State has a very sordid history. Like um, Tom That's... Pendergast lived there in that building when he came in. Your South Cal native probably have a lot of listeners everywhere, but Tom Pendergast was a huge gangster and and democratic uh party guru god and you know they also they called truman uh pendergast senator and then you know becoming president um and uh uh he lived there when he came into kansas city and when they he sold the building and then supported the kind of like through this corruption the ex you know rebuild of the building um and when they did, they found seven human bodies in the basement. Um, or they pulled out seven human bodies. And we are working our pop-up in this basement, which I have had haunted experiences in this basement. And it's all Evil Dead focused. So I highly encourage if you're in the Kansas City area, come out and experience this really crazy old speakeasy. Ran as a speakeasy through the 1920s. 
and we're trying to keep that speakeasy haunted feel to it. So, so let me let me kind yeah. of touch on that too. You've got your Evil Dead pop up, but the Evil Dead the musical is also coming into town. So if people wanted to do the double feature of that, that would be really cool. That brewery mm-hmm. that or the building that he's talking about is I've been there. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is so cool. It is so cool. It is like a really interesting piece of history that I actually should look more into just because I thought it was so interesting. But uh, yeah, if you are, uh, what, how long does the Evil Dead pop-up run? Oh my, so it starts on uh, June the 9th and I think it runs five or six weeks. I hate to sit there and say I don't have the actual end date on it because I'm I'm not even thinking about the ending. Um, I'm working on the, more of the build out of it right after this interview. So, you know, you, <laughs> kind of think about the beginning you don't think about the ending until the ending has to wind out right i will make sure that uh at the end of the podcast we'll get all of the links for everything that we've discussed oh, yeah. into the into the description so people yeah. can Perfect. find everything yeah, um, yeah. and nick pageants nick pageant always does he's doing the he's our, the partner on the bar but he's also the 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 producer of and the director of all those shows um and, and the Evil Dead musical, we have tickets this Friday night, so tomorrow. Yeah. I know, I have to go check that out. I still haven't seen it, so I would like to see it here where it's local, and that'd be really cool. So is it the same company that's doing it across the country, or is it a completely different production company? It's a completely different. This is a local production company that's uh, Nick Pageant. He runs Pageant Productions. He, he does Rocky Horror every year. It's a great time in Kansas City. Uh, he just did The Craft as like the first place out of Vegas that did The Craft musical. Uh, he's doing Evil Dead. Um, I can't re- all remember. He runs, he just ran Steel Magnolias. So it was Craft, Steel Magnolias. Like, That's really he, cool. Just going, right? Um, and, uh, uh, and just because he's just going, that doesn't mean there's not places for other people to, to do theater. But, uh, uh, you know, you, it, it, he, he's got it going. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go check that out. Um, yeah, the the shows here in Kansas City are incredible. I just saw Whiskey Dynamite, and it's possibly the best show I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. It was a neo-fantasy western, like spaghetti western aerial show, and it was... I have seen Cirque du Soleil. I've seen some really wild stuff. Best chef's kiss. It was so good. It was amazing. So I'm glad I have that we seen... have anything quixotic, go see it. It's worth it. <laughs> and, and they too are all over. So mm-hmm. they are definitely a, a, a another another gem of Kansas City that goes all over. And that's fantastic. So speaking of Kansas City history, what's some of your favorite weird Kansas City history? Like what is your weird love about the city? Like is it do you have like a ghost story? Do you have like do you have like um, unusual sightings, UFOs? Like, what is your favorite yeah, it, Kansas City history? Like or- all the facts of all Kansas City is like it, it is important to recognize that you know this area's really history goes back to like the 1840s, and you know we we gloss over all of this, like we don't think about it. But, you know, Kansas and Missouri started fighting the Civil War 10 years before the Civil War, which is why you had Bleeding Kansas. And you can see this history uh, probably in the most detail by going to Lawrence, which was a implant city in that area where, uh, uh, you know, they in the in the process of John Brown and his fight for uh, uh, freedom of African-Americans and freedom of uh, freedom from slavery uh, in the people within Lawrence being very sympathetic to that, they came in and they murdered every single person in in Lawrence. And you can see that in the old graveyard where like every male and a lot of women they murdered in, I think it was 1850, I want to say 1853. I have to look at the date, but um, that's just there. And then you have this growth period in there. And, um, uh, and that really is kind of that whole building up of that. One of the weirdest facts I know is that at one point in history, the most wealthiest concentration of wealth in the world was in St. Joseph, Missouri. And St. Joseph, Missouri uh, was the undeclared capital of the Confederacy after the Civil War, where after the Civil War, the Missouri did not sign the Declaration of Surrender, 
and a large number of, of landowners sold all their property and they started banking in St. Joe, which is why you had all these particularly Southern soldiers robbing all these banks because it was aristocrats that turned their back on them. And uh, when originally the, the, the amount of concentration of wealth in St. Joseph was there, the railroad, they wanted the railroad to not go through Kansas City. They wanted it to go through St. Joseph, Missouri, um, because of all the wealth that the federal regulators could kind of pull from these, these aristocrats. And they, they refused, and they met the federal regulators with a large militia. And they said, fine, we'll go through Kansas City. And they went through Kansas City, and at that point, they were almost like equal in size. And that led to a huge, uh, 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 you know, obviously, they had already left a large number of of, uh, of, of African-Americans had already fled uh, and kind of moved into Kansas City. That just further solidified it, and that St. Louis to Kansas City Railroad really helped establish our blues and jazz. So which is that amazing was to like hear. the weirdest history of, of mm -hmm. how our states have been shaped by violence and and oppression and then fighting against oppression and where Kansas City uh, uh, has kind of always stood on that map um, and then you know and in, in, in the same way that Kansas and you know Kansas City Missouri kind of stand on that map today yeah it's a, it's definitely a melting pot here and I think that's pretty rad because it, it, you can say that America is a melting pot, but when you really look at it, there are a lot of different kinds of people here, and it's more prevalent that of, of I guess, the mel melting pot being more equal on every side here. Mm. It seems like there's a little bit of everybody represented, and I think that's super cool. Mm. Yeah, it, so, it really yeah. So that's just the things that I find to be kind of fascinating about this. Um, and I, I know we have a lot of work left to do as we come back into Pride Month and as we come back into, you know, all the different things happening, not just the, the fight against weirdness, but kind of like the fight against, you know, uh, bodily autonomy and the fight against people, letting people be people. I think that, you know, the uh, every city and every major urban area needs to let people have that space to, to express themselves. That's me. Sorry to get political on your no, show. No, 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 you're fine. It, I, uh, <laughs> I am of the thought process that as long as nobody's hurting them, well, I guess other people, <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. they want to do to themselves is whatever. But as mm -hmm. long as nobody's hurting anybody else, then I don't have a problem with pretty much anything that anybody wants to do. Like, or as long as it's consensual, you know, whatever... Mm -hmm. Like, it's not my choice to make choices for someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I am and I where I stand on that line because I just think that people should be able to live their lives in peace and whatever they want to do. I, if I want to be a vampire on the internet, I'm going to do that. And if, you, you know, like, if they want to identify as something else, they could do that. That's not hurting me. Right, <laughs> yeah, no. You know it, what I mean? No. Like, so yeah, you, that's... You, that's my thought process on the whole thing. I think it's important that people have their own autonomy and do what they want because it's their lives. So let's talk about one of your favorite things right now. What are you into right now? Oh, well, so my other job uh, is artificial intelligence, right? So I work in AI ethics um, for the, the largest employer of the world, right? Okay. Um, so we work on some pretty fascinating issues. Um, and work with some pretty fascinating people talking about AI ethics. Um, so the majority of my day is probably spent in that, right? Um, my, my working day is in AI ethics and trying to connect people in that area and trying to get voices in that area to write better agreements and to really make sure that the AI that we're developing is um, you know, meeting our ethical standards, right? Right. Um, as a country and as a people that we want. And, you know, uh, I've been doing that now for a while um, as far as programmatically and building these programs and now on the ethics side. So it's been fascinating to see how this is now taking place in a much more public context. You know, there's been public criticism of this, but with the, the new AI programs, um, whether that's uh, GPT, whether that's like Mid Journey, whether it's the new art programs, but all these generative AI programs, 
you've really seen the, uh, a transformation um, and you have these easier user interfaces now to interface with it and to, to generate content. And now we're seeing the fight about that play out in, um, you know, on the writer's strike and, and Hollywood is the big one. Or it can play out on the internet where people are using, um, you know, or, or critiquing the use of AI. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, there's a, there's a part of me that's kind of like John McClain, right. And, and, and diehard, like, welcome to the party, pal. Uh, because there's some major things that I've looked, you know, uh, uh, you know, had in, in my thought processes going through this and, the book that really led me to push from where I was doing cybersecurity and different types of, of things with the government on that area and with industry and that into that into this area was a book called uh, Homo Deus, right? And it was a book um, that could be very transhumanistic in a way of like, hey, we're about ready to really approach an awesome level of humanity, both with biotechnology and and uh, artificial intelligence primarily. And Yuval, who wrote the book's critique on that, was that we're about ready to have a major uh, uh, social, some major social problems. Um, and I have my own beliefs on how to kind of deal with those things, but that's a, the that's the majority of my day. So I wish it was all hanging out and just making me see better, but I, 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 there's, a, there's a part of me which has to, that likes to do a little, um, fight the killer robots. Yeah. So, so for for our listeners, there's a couple of things I want to ask you yeah, yeah. going into this. There's a lot there. I'm sorry. If yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to like kind of bring it down a little bit to make it a little easier to swallow, like chew on. So AI at its core is mm -hmm. what? Just, just basic, basic understanding of like if you were to explain to somebody in like a paragraph what ai is what would you how would you explain it okay so what we had with ai so i can't just do that in like a paragraph okay. i'm sorry it was if i challenge. were to do it in I'm a paragraph it's, it's the same <laughs> as like kansas city right like right how did we get here from there right um so you know we had different rules-based coding and we had different ways of doing what we would call supervised, where a person would check, you know, this is a cat, this is a cat, this is a dog, this is a dog, and you do data labeling, and you start to build the computer to start thinking. And then you had unsupervised learning, where after it had enough training data, it had enough instances of cat and dog in person, you would start dumping more data at it and asking it to do things. And we started to have a lot of problems with that, right? Like. I can give you examples after examples of, you know, if you ask it to find trains, it doesn't find trains, it finds train stops, right? And, and you just, machines weren't perfect um, and, and they're not perfect now. But what we saw was for relatively a small amount of money, um, you could take a huge amount of data and instead of using that unsupervised learning, you could try to do what's called a cognitive neural network of design, which allowed it to explore and build these connections. And it took a huge amount of data with GPT-2 and then GPT-3. Now we're into 3.5 and coming out into version 4. It's more data and then also more intersections of that data. So it's starting to resemble like a human mind. Um, and as you dump all that data in there, you can then ask it questions and it has a lot more free ranging capability to do things like write computer code, write books. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it's writing novellas for me. Right. Um, right. uh, in, in some senses, it's better than some of the shows I watch on television because I hate some of the writers on some of the shows. But, but we 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 start to see this doing things that before it was much more of like an uh, you thought about it as like an automation. So what is AI? If you ask that, it is really getting data to run through different processes in a similar manner 
to a, a neural network to generate and create new output. So it's in a lot of ways like what we do as people. Um, so that's why we would call it artificial intelligence. Um, at the end of the day, it is code and it is data and it is, you know, uh, 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 redesigning some of that from the ground up. Um, but that is the, the basis of it. That's really cool. So hmm. what are some, I guess, my other question is, what are some misconceptions about AI that people think they know about but aren't true? Like, um, are, I think, go ahead. Uh, like, are, are, is AI just copying off of, like, artists? Or is it copying off of, like, anything? And just taking that and just remixing it? I guess that's, that's a big misconception, like, about AI art. So, like, are there a lot of, like, major misconceptions about AI that people don't quite understand and then they just assume that oh well it's just ripping off artists well it, it in in a way they are ripping off artists right, right. like well it's they, data it's information right um so when we look at certain certain algorithms we can look at the point and say these algorithms had a huge amount of training data put in by select artists Right. And those artists did not have say in that, right? Um, and once that training algorithm is established, even if I overlay more data onto that, I'm not able to disentangle the data, right? Right. So at some point in the same way that uh, an AI is now seeing images, it has already been trained on a specific set of data and that has higher what we call weights and measures to it than normal data. So in the same way that I would go to an art gallery and I'd start seeing artists, or if I went to art school and I would start training on different styles, there would be styles that I would pick and say, these really appeal to me, or I'm able to replicate it's closer the to these styles. What? I said yeah. it's practically the same thing that an artist would do on its own. So, artificial artist. Yeah. Well, it th there is a the, the the weird thing in this is the fact that if I adjust the weights and measures, I can change the artist much quicker than I can change a human artist. Um, and I can say, hey, I really want you to be Van Gogh, or hey, I really want you to be Michelangelo. I really want you to be super realistic or neo-realistic. And you can see that when you interact with these programs. Right. And for artists, that, that, that's terrifying. And I, the meme that's out there, right? Like I had no desire to live in a society where I slaved all day for 7.25 an hour, 7.50 an hour, and, and robots made poetry and art. That's not the future any of us wanted. Um, it is, it is, definitely the the attack so big misconceptions that i don't like about ai and they've been around like i almost feel like it's like propaganda like ai can't draw hands like right. you're, you're you're running old stuff man ai really can't produce uh good art um and music and poetry and there have been repetitive studies that show that it can they just haven't ever gotten to the point of really um and artists have been showing that in their art for for years right like right. they've tried to raise this warning bell it's really now that it's so easy to interact with and so readily available that we start to really worry about right. um right. if you produce something right or if you sell something on etsy or if you you are uh, creating something, it is hard to maintain intellectual property over that, and it's very hard to maintain separation from the artificial. You know this massive number of algorithms, particularly when you are interacting with those algorithms through Etsy, through Facebook, through Instagram, that these algorithms are already touching and affecting your business. Um, if you try to use sponsored content or you're trying to put ads out there, 
that's already a well-pushed field mm -hmm. on it. Um, it's been around and... for a long time prior to all the mid-journey and everything. I just don't think that people understand the application yeah. that it was in effect before now because it's now more visible. Mm -hmm. so. and, 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 and it's definitely more visible and it's much more powerful. There's that scientific law of like Moore's law which people can fight about it and do all that but like where it is today where it's going to be tomorrow is in a way I, I i'm not trying to scare a vampire but in a way it is existentially terrifying and you know as a society we're not going we're going to have to work super duper hard to put what we would call guardrails in the place on the left and the right of where we want it to be. And, right. uh, you know, I, I support the writer's strike, but I also, you know, do understand that the writers have been profiting through AI, through Netflix and from those things for a long time. Right. So I don't know how to break it. Well, uh, to, to kind of, to bring up the, the mood here a little bit, did you see that TikTok video? Let's bring the mood up. Let's bring up the mood. <laughs> happy Pride Month, everyone. <laughs> get out Pride there month. and a happy Pride um, Month. J J June 10th, we all need to march in Kansas City. And oh, yeah. I, I would love to see a whole lot of goss and marching. Awesome. I'll be marching in, in June 10th. Okay, two things. First of all, the speaking of Pride Month, did you know the Babadook was an unintentional Pride icon? No, I did not. The, okay, so Netflix miscategorized the Babadook during Pride Month into gay films and now the Babadook is a gay icon unintentionally so I hope to see some Babadooks out there <laughs> there always will be but you should go look up pride icon Babadook and see some of the amazing art that people have created so good um, I, I will and then two did you see the video of the robot that was put to work doing a menial task and then offed itself because it was so it was pointless. Did you see yeah, that one? No. There's been like the the robot security guard who who mm -hmm. who drowns himself immediately, and then the menial robot who who did that. Um, you know, it, it, <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I uh, uh, and the very touching art piece, right, of the robot who was just constantly trying to oh, keep his hydraulic the fluid back? in or, and yeah. trying to bring bring that fluid back into it to keep it going, and. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's no doubt that you can, I, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, so bringing up the mood, yeah, uh, uh, robot suicide, robot demise, way to do that. I'm sorry, I'm just a bowl full of laughter, right? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's why, that's why this show exists, right? So we can talk about yeah. these really interesting topics in, uh, I mean, life is full of light and darkness, and I feel like both things should be discussed at some point. You know, right? No, I, I I think that you know whether it's history, whether it's robots, whether whatever it's whatever it is, is that the way my mind works is that we have to constantly rebel against apathy, right? Like we have to recognize. That's why I love watching horror films, right? Like I can watch a horror film and it doesn't, you know, it can stay with me, but it does make me think of like, hey, I should have a good experience, right? And if you watch a horror movie and it makes you super depressed, you know, that may not be the right movie, right? Because we do have to have that reaction to uh, uh, to tragedy, you know? Yeah. So let's keep bringing the mood back up. Um, I just, let's just go off, off the rails a little bit. I uh, mm -hmm. recently came back from a regional Burning Man group or uh, event called Interfuse. Have you been to Interfuse? I have not been to interview. Um, it's. I've wanted to go for like two years, and every time I just can't get it. Can't it's get such it right. a weird weekend. Uh, I ended up going this year. I've been wanting to go to a regional for a really long time. I've been going to Burning Man since 2012, like Big Burn. Uh -huh. So I've been to at least seven times. I don't know since uh -huh. since 2012. So wow. this was my first like little little guy, and I think what's really interesting about interviews is that there are people that have gone to interviews for years, like since its origin, and 
have never been to Big Burn. Mm-hmm. But what's super cool, since we were talking about culture earlier, what is super cool is that they have a handle on Burning Man culture. Like, they know exactly what it is. I mean, there are a couple of differences. Like, instead of the Billion Bunny March, it's like the cow the cow party or whatever. I don't know. It's really cute. But, like, there are certain things that also interfuse is really spoiled in that they have running water and showers, which is wild to me. I'm so uh, yeah, used well, to being in the desert with, like, no running water. So, like, it's very cool. Um, we met a lot of really great people. And a lot of people from Interfuse mm-hmm. are out of Kansas City. So uh-huh. I'm really surprised that the groups like Freaks and Geeks and the Burners haven't really cross-sected yet, it seems like. Or it, I feel like we're the people that I met at Interfuse just haven't really come into the Kansas City groups yet and i almost want to be like hey join these groups so i'm probably gonna go on interviews and be like look you know, there were a lot of you from kansas city we need to all come together and do cool things together you know yeah um well we should right and we do uh uh, uh the uh the rabbit tribe um, there are a couple there were a couple yeah, but like i feel yeah. like it needs to be more they need to be brought together a little bit more because i feel like they're just a little disconnected well, yeah, so there is, right? You know, that that is definitely a thing. It's also a thing about, like, uh, passion, right? right? Is that uh, 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 I, all my friends who go to Interfuse and, and are, are deeply ingrained in that community mm-hmm. are some of the most amazing people. And they are constantly on that edge of creativity and on that edge of happiness and, and, and peace, right? Um, and so they're doing great, amazing things. Um, and, and because they have a community, the, it is kind of our job. It's my job to go to them. Right. right? That's true. Um, and and that, that that's important for on, on our recognition. It's not important for burners to come to Kansas City and and do that. It's really important for Kansas Cityans to go and know they can go to interview. That is true. Yeah. One of the people I, you know, I would follow the rabbit tribe. I would, I would do the, you know, in Kansas city, that's the tribe that I have my most amount of my friends in. Um, and, and, and know people at like the regional nights when they do have regional nights here in Kansas city, um, and go to those events, meet people. Um, but it, it, it is intimidating, right? Like it's probably not intimidating for you. Who's gone to so many burning men. But it is definitely an intimidating experience, I think, for a lot of people. So for my listeners that don't know what burn is, because a lot of people don't really know or understand what it is, it is a art community. They don't like to be called a festival because mm-hmm. it's not really a festival. It's not really a rave. It's not really a massive. It's not really any of those things. It's a community of people who have a specific set of principles that they follow at the burn and in life so there's 10 principles plus one for some people which is consent um and the 10 principles have changed my life in a way and made me a better person because when i started going to the burn i didn't know who i was when i started going to the burn i realized there is so much more to me and so much more that i can give to other people that also benefits myself so that's kind of why i'm like (laughs) i'm like the hippie vampire i'm like peace and love man you know what i mean (laughs) like so i think it's really important that people give back to their community um they you know participate in their community and that's just separate from the burn you know so i mean i'll post the principles in the description because i think it's really interesting it's a great set of guidelines for life just in general and these really amazing people get together and they do art in mm-hmm. random places and then they burn it all down and they it's just a really cool cool community of people just doing what they love to do and there's no everybody's so different and i think that's what i love about it like everybody's from every walk of life that they all have different jobs i've met nurses i've met firefighters i've met I've met uh, f- professional artists, I've met film, television people, radio people. I've met uh, people who take care of the elderly, like just people who wa- have just a bunch of kids that they bring to the burn. It's for everyone. 
And I think that it's important that people kind of at least go once in their life to sort of experience what it's like to be part of a bigger thing than yourself. So, yeah, no, I definitely should. Right. I definitely should do that. Um, it, it is, uh, you know, it, 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 it. It, it, I will sit there and say, everyone has talked about it. I've read the principles. I've compared the principles on Kansas city freaks and gates. Cause I absolutely do love them. Um, you know, uh, the principles and then, you know, just the ethics of that. Um, so, and everyone who's, everyone who's associated with it are some of the most fantastic people I know. So, um, you know, there's a intimidation factor, right. Um, but at the same point, I, uh, you know, you gotta kind of get over it sometimes and sometimes you gotta jump in the pool. Go, go with friends and volunteer immediately. If you volunteer immediately, people will guide you to sort of where you need to be. It's And everyone's so helpful. Like, if you're lost or you don't know what to do or you want to help, just ask. You know, somebody will be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I think I didn't volunteer at Interfuse because I didn't know what to expect. The, the nature out here is a lot harder for me than the desert because I'm a desert person like I'm fine with the desert and that sort of heat and that sort of environment but out here like I'm not great with bugs and ticks and poison ivy and that sort of stuff so it's really hard well, for well, me. last year it was flooded right yeah um, I heard that I'm sure you heard about that and how bad I heard about winter fuse when it snowed one year so the yeah. Midwestern weather is just something that I haven't c quite <laughs> figured out yet. However, I will say if you miss interviews, there are plenty of other regionals in the area that are very cool. There is a new one starting up uh, in Wichita called Aorta. Uh, uh -huh. They are brand brand new this year. There is Gateway, which is, I think, this weekend in St. Louis or right outside yeah. of St. Louis. There's... Uh, uh, river fire which is a float trip for burners i believe mm -hmm. or like it's on a river and there's a couple of others there's like one in ohio they're they're all relatively close so there's tons and tons of stuff there's midwest burners website that has all of the tickets yeah. and stuff on there too so there's a ton of regionals out here and it's crazy to me that there are so many yeah it's it really cool. it really is it is a, a, a fascinating look at it, it uh, kind of being bored in the Midwest, right? You, you kind of got to do some some crazy regional stuff, right? So um, it is it is awesome. And, you know, it, it, it I, you, you convinced me another person who's convinced me to go. It's it's I, I think I need the pep talk more like in February. Start, start a Freaks and Geeks camp. That's all. Yeah. Well, we can work on that. We can work on that. We can work on that vampire kit, and we can we can definitely talk right? about that right there. For yeah. sure. So yeah. uh, another event that's coming up that I'm actually kind of excited about is Embrace. Um, <laughs> it sounds so cool. Can you? Do, I I think you have more details than I do about that. Can you explain a little bit about what that's going to be? I sure hope I have more details because I help write the rule book for it. So oh, if you have more details on that, then if you have more details on that than me, then we have a, we've got a, a little issue on that. Yeah. So okay. um, I have a little, actually I have a little flyer right here. You can't see it on the thing, but it's June 17th. Uh, it's in the West bottom. So it's just coming up in a, a couple weeks. It's in the West bottoms. Uh, you can get tickets at vampire. I, I think everyone on this podcast knows how to spell it. Kansas city.com. Um, and uh, uh, what it is is that we really wanted uh, we've done LARPing, uh, live action role playing, and vampires like since the '90s, and um, it, it, that community's kind of gotten really uh, uh, not as fun, right, as the burner community, and not quite as festive. But we really want to try to make a fun festive experience, and we really want people to have the ability to interact with that world um, and with these concepts in a very non-traditional, um, uh, 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 intimidating way. Oh, non-intimidating. Right? Yeah, because if I bring out, like, the books of Vampire, right, like, and we just start throwing books on books, people are like, no, this is way too much. Um, and it, it, we want to give people the ability to have a very specific time-based event. So you show up at orientation, you can make your uh, 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 character there, Rules are explainable in about 
three to five minutes or very easy to understand rules. And then you get in your costume and from the start of the event, throughout the event, you are playing your character. And there's different characters. You can be a vampire, right? Um, there are some differences in the vampires through the world of darkness. We've kept them very basic and very generalized. Um, so if you're an old old person who has all these different theories on it, we do kind of boil it down. Um, and uh, uh, you can play a human. You can play a, a servant of a vampire. You can play a blood doll of a vampire, which is a person that the vampires feed off of. Or you can just be a regular party goer. You can just get a ticket and just show up. But while you're showing up at a party there's a vampire party going on. So they're going to, you know, feed on you. That's and so cool. That's you so fun. About, you talked about consent. You know, we're working with some great consent specialists in this too. And we've really built consent into these Nordic LARP rules in a way that, uh, and that's a Nordic LARP. It's it's not a LARP like um, if I were to play a game, right? Like even Dungeons and Dragons, I might be playing to win. And I might be playing to win against my other people. Like I want that magic item. And in vampire LARPs, you're always trying to beat everybody else. Um, but this one is, you're actually kind of playing to lose. So when you make your character, instead of having like, I want to be the prince of the city, you can kind of go into it and say, how am I going to die? And if you think about it on that way, you can make a lot better story for everyone else involved. That's going to be yeah, really so fun. It'll be a great event. Um, like I said, get tickets. Um, so you know, Kansas City Freaks and Geeks. Go ahead. It's not just the party, or it's not just the LARP part, because the LARP part is one part of it. But I also heard that there's like a like an after party afterwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. After the after the event, we're gonna take off like you know our our characters. The, the event is over. The, the the vampire party is over, and then we've got another two hour long party afterwards where we can dance and you know um get to know each other a lot better and really and really let our our, our things out so to speak so fun i'm like so excited it's gonna be really great but yeah so i'm i'm super excited so this is going back to it this is a combination of what two different things it's uh white wolf's vampire the masquerade and you said nordic so it yeah it, it nordic larp is the way that you play a larp right okay so um, you know, there's different ways to do this. Now we're getting into super huge geek stuff, but I love super huge geek stuff. So, so bear with me. Like <laughs> you can play a LARP where you're playing a character in a much more combative way. Some of the LARPs people play like have foam sticks, right? And you're trying to like hit each other, um, you know, and, 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 and you can play through those. Um, this LARP is built for storytelling, like this style of LARP, Nordic LARP, which started in Norway and has been going on for you know, pretty much right after like SCA and Renfest started in America, they started Nordic LARPs where you were trying to work with people much more like an improv theater to try to tell a good story and trying to tell a, a, a really compelling story and give people a really immersive experience. So that's the style of LARP, but we're putting that LARP and I should sit there and say, we are putting that LARP in there with Mind's Eye Theater um uh, uh, uh in their their organization they you know with, with the white wolf subcomponents of that to put this nordic larp on so uh um it's going to be a fun fantastic uh, fantastic experience and if you walk in and you've never played again like just to have the ability to say hey i went to a party playing as a vampire even if you die you can you know, come back or you can play a different character, but the event is time blocked. And then at the end of it, you can all share stories about how you died or you can share stories about, you know, how awesome interviews was because there will be some of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, okay. I'm, I'm excited. Let's, mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about vampire, the masquerade. Okay. Um, so but did you hear, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a couple of things that I'm okay. a little disappointed in to start with. Blood okay. Hunt just decided you know what Blood Hunt is, right? Yeah. Okay. They just decided to discontinue uh updates, like development for Blood oh. Hunt because it just isn't doing well, I guess. Mm -hmm. They're planning on rearranging the entire store and all this other stuff, but they're not really planning on putting more into it. Um, which is super disappointing because I 
I think that had they listened to their fan base, they would have gotten a little bit more love on it because they mm-hmm. sort of alienated a lot of people by by doing things that weren't actually wanted and not doing the things that actually were wanted. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that is upsetting to me is that uh, not Blood Hunt, um, Bloodlines Two. Bloodlines Two. Yeah. Where is it? Uh, I mean, that entire, you know, it was one of the greatest games, I think. Uh, I still play you know, Bloodlines on my game. stream. Yeah, and and it's a great game. Um, that entire development has been riddled with so many different issues and problems. I'm just and, so... And, 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 yeah, but, like, I, there's, like, a big thing there, right? Like, for me, like, my vampire's in my mind or the ones I want to play are always a lot weaker than these super God level powered, right. you know, vampires. Um, and, you know, I, I, additionally to that, the amount of uh, 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 power in that really comes into like blood hunt was good. Cause it was all vampire kind of on vampire, but like I never, you know, like the feeding aspect of it, Bloodlines was so much more personal. I, I kind of, in a way, I don't know how you make those kind of games. Um, like I know there are horror games out there that are that are very predatory, but like there's something that, you know, our vampires at one point went sparkly, and we're coming out of the sparkly vampires. Sorry if I'm uh, if there are sparkly if you're a sparkly vampire, that's completely fine. Um, but at one point, our, our vampires went a little sparkly, and what they are now is not as you see with all the remakes of 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 interview with a vampire as you see them in the the netflix series as you see them in the the chapel way like as you see these types of vampires coming out we don't have uh we've got so many different types of vampires that uh i don't know if the white wolf vampires bloodlines two vampires with the clans and all that can have a good game again it's so it's such a political thing whereas anrise is is more of an emotional thing Mm -hmm. so i guess it kind of and going back to twilight because we're going to talk about twilight i want to throw like i haven't even talked to anybody about this yet i want a twilight party just like a super cheesy twilight party in kansas city just well, everybody uh, shows up and we're all just covered in glitter and it's ridiculous and there's memes everywhere. It needs to be just the dumbest thing ever, but I think it would be so fun. You, you, know, you know the people, like, first off. I know. I need to actually talk. You know, you want a Twilight party. I always say be the be the party you want to be. I know. Right? So, I know. So I just... roll your Twilight party. I'll, happy, I'll be happy to help promote it. I'll be happy to support uh. it. But if you're, if you're so looking dumb. for other people, you know the people to talk to. <laughs> I right? know. Yeah. It's so dumb. Yeah. But I think it would be so fun. You know, it, it, <laughs> it is uh, uh, the cult nature of that, you know, was for, for a long time was just like uh, uh, the, you know, the way people got into it. Now the cult nature of that is the mocking of how deeply they got into it. Right. Or how deeply other people got into it. I hate to mock other people's like I hate to yuck other people's yums, um, you know. Even if it's Twilight, but at the same point, <laughs> uh, uh, every you know uh, uh, every experience of of true like getting into something has a huge element. Or every everything like the the harder you get into something. I think the cringe increases a little bit more. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, yeah. The Twilight was a gateway drug for so many people to, to vampires and werewolves. <laughs> for like teenagers. They, they, I, I know, you know, I know. And, and <laughs> they're, they're, uh, as people come into the new vampires and as people come into, you know, seeing those remakes, I, I, I hope that, I hope we can do something more than sparkly vampires. But I don't know exactly what that is. I, I know the big one right now is is fairies right like uh uh and i get that because they're so much more fun um than vampires but i i I know we don't have a fairy kitten we have a vampire kitten so in the vampire fairy war i side with the vampires but you know it is a good war right now you're getting into true blood territory 
Yep. <laughs> it's all right. been done. <laughs> yeah, and, and then we can talk about how we can talk about that series. But all of these things we can talk about on another episode, Vampire Kitten. I know we gotta Maybe go. Again, I'll be Look all vampired up. Maybe we'll do a, a live cast from the Embrace or something like that. Oh my that. god, that but, would be so fun. Yeah, all right. It would. Right. Well, thank you, James, for joining me on the Coffin Lounge. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to plug? Like, where can people find you? Um, well, the next place you're going to probably find me is 9th uh, at Evil Dead Pop-Up Bars when we open. Okay. And then the 10th right there, I will be at Pride uh, uh, marching with the Satanic Temple, right? So uh, hope to see you guys out at all these events and all this funness that's happening. And then the 17th, playing a vampire uh, uh, in the in the Embrace. And then we'll go ahead and link to the Kansas City Freaks and Geeks on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I This was a great conversation. We'll definitely have you back another time. So uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. For sure. <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right. See you on the next one.